Hey, yeah, uh, this is GM and DM. Let's talk some D&D. I'm Nadav Brand, a game master. And I'm Daniel Smith, a dungeon master. And today we are talking about intelligence-based traps. This episode is a part of a mini-series we're making about creative trap design based on each ability score in Dungeons & Dragons. And today we're talking about intelligence-based traps. Now, what is intelligence in D&D and what is intelligence when it comes to traps, Daniel? Tell me. Right, so intelligence is basically your ability to reason, your intellect, express rote learning and retain knowledge, right? So it's things like pattern recognition. It's a little more nebulous than things like strength, dexterity, but it's relatively easy to understand. Now, for traps, if you look at spells that affect intelligence, you'll get stuff like feeble mind. And basically, it's anything that affects the target's reasoning, their pattern recognition, or their intellect. Hmm. And often, it's anything that causes psychic damage as well. Like A lot of spells that cause psychic damage involve uh, an intelligence save. That is true. Um, Even if it seems a bit weird, sometimes it involves an intelligence save. So really, there's a lot of things. You can actually go very simple with make this save, take psychic damage. Maybe you just want to get around your barbarian, your your bear totem barbarian's damage resistance. So psychic damage, (laughs) right? You know, yeah. (laughs) But you can go more complicated with them as well. And we're here to provide a few ideas on that. Nice. Nice. So basically, when I think about traps and uh, when it comes to intelligence, right, the first thing that came to my mind was the Harry Potter chess scene. But when I think about that, that's actually more like a puzzle. Yeah. And it's quite tricky yeah. to, with intelligence not to go toward puzzles because it's about intelligence. And intelligence has to do with solving a problem rather than reacting to a problem. Absolutely. More often than not. Yeah. And that's why if you actually go and look on the whole D&D Beyond and you go to the spell list and you try to reverse engineer a spell and you have a look at how many spells actually have intelligence saving throws there's only eight of them and one of them is a cantrip and one of them is level nine so i would say there's only six actual spells yeah that are intelligence saving throws so there's nearly no spells to go on that being said what are the different things that intelligence is that's how i looked at it okay so i'm just going to go with my first trap first and we're just going to explain how i came up with it sure go ahead so like you said psychic damage seems to be a theme in most of them Discerning an illusion, so investigation, if you have Uh an investigation, that's also intelligence-based. Learning, uh, particularly with wizards, when they try to learn a new spell or if they're trying to learn a new skill, uh, remembering things, it has to do with intelligence. If you you just look at the skill, at all the different things that intelligence can do, right? A lot of the spells have to do with illusion within your mind rather than so if it's an illusion within your mind if you're trying to look at an illusion that's your brain trying to understand and figure out whether it is an illusion or not mm. so yeah. it's a so it's, so it's a grasping of a concept yeah so it's i mean it's it's very different from perception in that perception is you picking up things around you whereas mm-hmm. this is more like you your brain working out a little puzzle almost yeah 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 so it's a reactionary Puzzle solving. So we're still in puzzles, but it's still helpful. So I think actually reading Feeble Mind really helps to understand 
what the difference is between the things. So I'll just read out the spell and to, to get a bit of an idea. So you blast the mind of a creature that you can see within range, attempting to shatter its intellect and personality. The target takes 46 psychic damage and must make an intelligence saving throw. On a failed save, the creature's intelligence and charisma scores become one. The creature can't cast spells, activate magic items, understand language, or communicate in any intelligible way. The creature can, however, identify its friends, follow them, and even protect them. So what we can say from that, that a creature can identify its friends, follow them, and even protect them if it has no intelligence <laughs> or charisma, for that matter. So if we, we go, we lean back on what we had before, which is what is charisma, what is wisdom, and what is intelligence, right? So charisma is force of personality. We talked about that in our previous episode, so feel free to go check that out. Wisdom is force of will. That's how it's described in the book, and we'll get to that in our next episode. And intelligence maybe is force of mind? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like intelligence, if you look at the numbers, right, intelligence is a very underused stat in a way. There, there's nearly no classes based on intelligence, and if they are, they're subclasses, except from wizards. And they are nearly designed to make wizards not overpowered, just so that they don't... There, there's a lot of talk about that online between people and why is intelligence so... Kind of lackluster outside yeah. of its very specific spheres. Yeah. So I think it's a big missed opportunity. I think there's, there's a lot of options there to, to homebrew, and there's a lot of options there to use it to the player's disadvantage because a lot of people rightfully choose it as a dump stat. I see what right? you mean, yeah. And because of that, maybe intelligence-based traps should be more common and hence more dangerous. <laughs> I did see in some of the forums that people have corrected charm-based effects to be charisma saving throws and that illusion-based effects to intelligence saving throws instead of wisdom, right? Because both of these things are currently in wisdom Maybe it's just because uh -huh. it was there to go to. But actually, illusion does sound to me like it should always be intelligent saving throw because it's, a, it's a, an active process of discerning. And charm sounds like a charisma saving throw to me. Yeah, it, it, if, it does sound like it, yeah. I mean, I would apply some nuance to it because wisdom also includes things like common sense. Um, you know, the ability to think, wait, why would this be here? Like in, in older uh, editions of D and D, you could roll to disbelieve because you, th yeah, you could literally say like, "I roll to disbelieve in this thing," and like if it was an illusion, it would yeah. go away if you if you rolled correctly. So there is also that kind of um, when it comes to illusions, there's that element of your character thinking, "Wait a minute, why would this be here? Well, this mm. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for this to be here. Whether that's intelligence or that's wisdom is, I think you can kind of go mm. either way mm. with that. I agree. So, when coming up with this trap design, there are two approaches for traps. One is to reverse engineer by studying spells like we've done, or to homebrew just based on what you think intelligence is. Uh -huh. So, yeah. this trap is a very simple trap. You would place this trap in a narrow corridor, and it would be some sort of like on-the-go trap. This trap is called the double pit trap. Now, why double pit? Because the first part of it is an illusion of a pit trap, meaning it looks like a pit trap. It's still hidden, which requires a passive perception of a certain thing to see, right? So most people won't even see it. And then they say, 
I ask people, oh, what's your passive perception? People tell me their passive perception, and I see, and I say, okay, well, you see the pit trap. <laughs> now, most of the time, you make it quite a low DC, so that somebody with a higher enough passive perception will see it. Now, once they've spotted it, you can tell them, oh, it's only 15 foot. You can try to attempt to jump it if you have a certain level of strength or higher. And if not, you can just roll me an athletics check to try to jump over it. Some people might get creative, and that can be all sorts of things. Now, the, the, tr- the real trap is after the, what looks like a pit trap, there's an actual pit trap that looks like normal land. <laughs> okay. Right? That's the idea. So the real thing here is, why is this intelligence-based? Because maybe the person with the highest passive perception might notice the pit trap, but he can't see through an illusion unless he actually chooses to investigate, right? That's, that's how illusions work. You have to either touch them or investigate them. And since they're jumping over it, they won't have time to investigate midair. <laughs> so I would consider to let the person with the highest intelligence to try to roll intelligence saving throw before they jump and they will have a chance to shine in that way that makes sense yeah so that's a it's a very basic trap even after somebody falls into the trap they might not get what it is yeah yeah no that's it's it's a cool way of it's a nice little bait and switch any any ideas about what you could do with this kind of trap or how you would do it slightly differently oh well so i mean you can take this kind of idea and you can apply it to all kinds of situations like you can have multiple of these you can have this kind of thing integrated into walls. I mean, I've done this sort of thing before, and it it works pretty well. Just have, you know, a door that is not real next to illusion wall that is not real. It's not even a harmful trap, but like you can have somebody just constantly trying to get through this door. The actual way through is right next to them, <laughs> and it's it's a wall illusion, you know? Yeah. So, like... You, you, you know, the, the, the players spend 20 minutes going, what, this, why won't this door open? Why can't I kick this door in? Like, you know, and then suddenly the wizard goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This wall next to this looks a bit weird. Uh, anyone notice that, you know? Or you have a classic kind of like the barbarian being bored leans against the, the yeah, wall. Yeah, leans against the wall. wall and falls through. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. So there is, there's an option if you want to take it one step further, which is to make it two pit traps in one pit trap and just divide them like left and right so that if somebody falls into one of the trap and maybe they have different effects and then it creates this kind of awkward scenario where people are trying to help but they're going into the wrong <laughs> trap to help and yeah. try, and one has acid and yeah. one has snakes or whatever and and you can't see through the illusion and all that jazz and again heightening the power of good investigation to see through the traps yeah and potentially causing a huge huge like pile up which can be great <laughs> can be can be entertaining so that's my trap um i assume you've made one as well yeah so i just um i just dug up um something that i've used a few times uh generally i call it the 2001 trap because it scary. usually involves well you know 2001 a space odyssey right because it usually involves like this big kind of black obelisk with shifting text and in some weird cyclopean language all over it you know mm. So basically, the idea of it is to play with the PC's ability to use language properly. Right? Okay, that's funny. So most of the time, almost always, actually, this messes around with casters more than anyone else. Right. So the basic trap, right, is you have this black obelisk covered in weird symbols. So the trap generally is going to you. Mean you, you can make it an aura if you really want to. So you know anyone who gets close to this thing is hit by the effect. Right. But. Generally, I prefer a little more involved approach for this kind of thing. Usually, I'd recommend if somebody touches it or attempts to study the writing on it, then the trap's effect 
know, takes hold. Okay. So the idea is the player touches it, they try to study it, and suddenly this all this information just rushes into their brain. They they have this incredible migraine as this artifact like pushes all this information straight into them. Mm. And they make an intelligence save, right? Because they're they're suddenly hit by all this stuff that they're trying to pick apart with their mind. Right. Usually I would say this kind of trap should have degrees of success and failure. So mm. beforehand, take a look at what your players have as their saves. And then think, right, I don't want everyone to fail catastrophically and for it to be a total party wipe, you know? Mm. But I don't want everyone to do perfectly either. So just, you know, nudge the DC around, keep it relatively high, because there will be people who'll have good intelligence saves, usually. And so if you pass, you pass, you're fine. If you fail, you take a little bit of psychic damage. And what you don't realize is your language, all your languages, have been replaced by the kind of language that is contained in this obelisk, okay? <laughs> so if you try to speak, you speak in gibberish, right? If you right. try to cast a spell, you're no longer casting with the right magic words. Right. Okay? You, you know, you, you say something and you're like, wait a minute, what did I just say? Like, uh, that, that wasn't draconic, that was something else. Mm -hmm. Now, this can be pretty punishing for a lot of players. Any caster will find this insanely difficult to deal with. So what I would usually do is give it a time limit, have it run out occasionally, but also have these traps scattered around the dungeon in various places, and also give them a reason to maybe push their luck with it. So let's say there's all this stuff all over the dungeon in this weird language, right? Hmm. And they need somebody to be able to speak it. Right. Or they would like somebody to be able to speak it. So then they've got, they've got reasons to have somebody try to inspect this, these things again and again. So it's a plus and a minus in yes. a way. So, yeah. But once, so once they can read it, if another person changes into that, can they speak to each other? Yeah, they'd be able to speak to each other. They'd understand each other. Thing is, though, what you want to do is you want to have risk and reward. So I, what I would do is every time you touch this trap, the DC gets a little higher, and the PC's ability to shrug off like the shock of what's happening to them gets a little lower. So after they've done it three times, then it becomes you're saving against feeble mind. Like you no longer have the language. It's just you've you've overstressed your mind, and if you touch this thing too many times, you're just going to get turned into a total gibberish weirdo that can't do anything, right? Right. So basically, this this trap is the equivalent of installing Windows in the wrong language, kind of thing. Yes. The computer just Precisely. becomes useless. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I would say also if you're going to have these all over the dungeon, I would say put them in combat encounters as well. Because they're, they're nice little things to have around as kind of area traps. Like enemies can push you into them. So say you're in a fight, right? You get pushed into one of these traps, you fail your save. Suddenly you're speaking the same language as the creatures that are attacking you. Suddenly you ah. understand them. Yeah. So you can pick up little things from that. But mm. again, so you've got to make sure that there is definitely some risk to doing it over and over and over again, right? I mean, if you don't feel like being really punishing, it doesn't have to be feeble mind. It can be something a little, a little less awful, like a nerfed feeble mind or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, but you could, it, you could make it clear to them by just increasing the damage each time, so they know it gets worse and worse. Yeah, after the say, second time they do yeah. it, if it's two d six or three d six or whatever, they wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say character. I, I'd start it at three d six already. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, the trap should hurt a little bit. There should be some kind of risk already to doing this. You know. Okay. It shouldn't be easy to learn to have this like language shoved into your head, right? Hmm. It just serves as a um, as 
a thing that sort of punishes spellcasters a little, you know, mm. uh, for either for their curiosity or for just being careless, right? So they touch it, they have this language shoved into their heads, but they don't realize it maybe until they get into a combat encounter and they try and cast a spell. And they mm. realize, I don't know the right words to do this. If it has verbal. If it has verbal, yeah. Certainly, though, if you really want to make use of this trap, you need to design your dungeon around it, probably design a bit of the narrative around it as well. Mm, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it could be also that you could have these obelisks actually give the characters some useful information, like take a left here or sacrifice this here or burn that thing there that is actually useful for them, but they can't communicate it back to the party because they can't write and they can't talk. So <laughs> yeah. it will be really funny, yeah. like miming situation of the people that can't talk, talk gibberish and try through miming Absolutely. to explain I what mean, to do. That's hard the idea in a way. So if you include a whole bunch of written stuff in the dungeon in this weird language that tells you things you might need to know what mm -hmm. will help you, then suddenly you have these PCs who they can read all this stuff and they know what it says mm. and they know how it would help. But all the PCs who aren't willing to risk it they just have to watch their friends flailing weirdly and like going, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, and I would exactly. demand that players would not speak like in the in the in they would not try to convey stuff normally at all. While yeah. yeah, while yeah. they're like this, they if they say anything, it has to be. If they want to write something down, they have to write scribbles. Like, you know. They can create all sorts of weirdness. Yeah, absolutely. That, that sounds really awesome. Nice trap, man. That's that's a really. Thank you. Yes, I'm definitely planning to steal that one. <laughs> I, I mean, I always steal your stuff, so it's great. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Yeah, it's kind of the point of, of this whole We're channel. We're putting out stuff out here to be stolen. Exactly, you know, exactly. This is, this is we want to share, sh share the pain, exactly. share the creativity. Yeah. Anyway, go on. It's really tricky. I think one of the approaches you can do, really, is look at the different skills that intelligence is based on. Mm right and draw inspiration from that so history investigation oh, history is interesting religion what what else is there arcana is intelligence arcana yeah. right so i mean you could say that if it affects any of these skills then like, it's an intelligence check then it's yeah. an intelligence check like for example if it's a if somebody's trying to modify your understanding of a particular thing that has to do with magic somebody's trying to you know, it's like modified yeah, memory, I, I, but I it's would, not quite. Yeah, I would always do that. I would do anything that modifies your memories and stuff as an intelligence check, personally. Really? It's, yeah, because it's it's modifying your ability to recall information, and and it's 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 directly affecting your intellect and your uh, your you know your processing, the way your brain kind of works. Like for me, wisdom is is kind of stuff that's more. It's almost yeah, they, soul stuff in a way, you know. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, more instinct, more soul, yeah. less about information and memory is more information, should be at least. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go storm wizards and <laughs> wrong. So, uh, cool. So I just wanted to mention that while I was doing research on this episode, I came across Matt Colville's post on Reddit that talks about this research that he's done, taking all the spells and all the monsters and looking what kind of saving throw effect and putting them all into a list to analyze them. And there's this really great post and we'll put it down in the links below. Uh -huh. The sheet is really great. It's divided by saving throws, spells by save and monster manual. Right. Oh, okay. So it includes and stuff it, like, 
like a like a mind blast from a mind flare stuff like that exactly okay, so it's cool. kind of saves that they make you do so if you just look by save right just straight up saves there's only 14 intelligence based saves in total in spells that's really? it is that it yes compared to deck saves and spells is 76 <laughs> i mean i get it i get that intelligence based stuff is going to be more magical and weirder and therefore rarer but mm. that is surprising uh-huh. It's, it's, it's quite strange but it's it's a really interesting list to look to go through uh, for example in the monster manual there's only four monsters that can do intelligence saving interesting throws. right that's only four that's uh, in, compared to like con saving throws which is 165 <laughs> <It's totally> unbad, <laughs> you know, basically. little bit different uh. Uh, <laughs> so that's it's a really interesting list and i highly recommend go checking it out for those who like nerds and numbers i guess that means yeah i mean i would actually say I mean, if you want to go a little deeper um that there was a ton of stuff in previous editions that you know attacked loads of different uh defenses or saves i say defenses because some editions have didn't have saves um right so i mean i would always say take a look at 4e there are lots and lots of abilities and powers and such, and they often target a weird range of defenses. And uh, there's a lot of inspiration to be had there, especially for weird stuff like this. Basically, I think what they, they did with 5e is take 4e, make it simpler so it's an easier threshold to go into, and then slowly add in everything back. Well, kind of. I mean, I'd say the game is... I think the game is the game simpler than it's ever been. I think yes, yes, um, yes. but in a way, it's a lot more elegant. Anyway, I mean, I, I would never want to return to three point five. <laughs> right, that's good. So yeah, these were two approaches to two intelligence-based traps. So, dear listeners, if you want to tell us what kind of intelligence traps you have made, feel free to write to us in our Facebook page or write to us just here in the comments below. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will talk about wisdom-based traps. Ooh. Until next time, this was GM and DM, and remember, you can always blame the dice. <laughs>